Well, hello and welcome to the Dog and Duck Show, a special March Madness edition of the Dog and Duck Show, representing the Ducks, who are not playing in the NCAA tournament. I am your host, Mark Schmore, and filling in for my beloved co-host, Warren Maynard, is a Husky fan himself, Jake Holderman, who is also cheering on a team that is not in the NCAA tournament or the NIT tournament this year. Uh, Jake, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, we're both just so close, right? You know, just a couple of couple of victories or terrible losses away. No, uh, I'm doing great. This is a great time of year. I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the lull, like with all the baseball possibly getting delayed, it was just feeling very morose about sport. And then we've got the tournament and baseball's back on. So, I mean, it's been a great weekend. Yeah, spring spring is here. And uh, so, as I mentioned, a special March Madness edition of the Dog and Duck Show. We normally start off with some dog and duck news. And I feel like we've covered that now. The, yeah, yeah. The, the ducks and the dogs are not going to be a part of March Madness this year, but March Madness is awesome enough that it deserves its own episode. And so we'll set our uh, our own allegiances aside and and dig into the rest of that with just as much. Passion. I think we we might be able to. I mean, how do you feel about? Does this year change how you feel about Dana Altman? Um, no, I I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt with me. Uh, he had he had a year kind of like this a couple of years ago. It wasn't as as disappointing, but where they missed the tournament. Uh, I think the year after their Final Four team. They, they missed like four starters off that team and they had kind of a down year. But in general, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh, most of his teams get better by the end of the year. Most of his teams uh, win multiple games in the tournament. I don't think he's lost in the first round of the tournament since he's been at Oregon. So uh, This was a weird year, right? Like you, you had yeah. that early season loss to BYU and it was kind of like, what's going on? But uh, they'll finish strong and then they – we're starting to, and then they had the terrible Cal loss, Colorado loss, it was, and yeah. just it ended more of a whimper than a bang, you know? Honestly, they they played a little bit like the Oregon football team, where the Oregon football team showed up against Ohio State, similar to the way the basketball team showed up against UCLA and Arizona and USC and looked really good in those games. And then the football team just laid these eggs at the end of the year. And that's exactly what the basketball team did against the Huskies and the Cougars. So the state of Utah was tough on you too. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, but we're going to set that aside. Uh, we, you know, we could do a trip down memory lane and talk about our favorite Husky March Madness moments or our favorite duck moments, but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. Brandon Roy is not walking through that door. Luke Ridenauer is not walking through that door. Uh, we're going to have to just, <laughs> just plow ahead with the 68 teams that did make the field. I think that's better for both of our psyches. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's just get into it, Jake. Uh, I know you've had some adequate time to study the bracket yourself. Let, let's just start by kind of sizing up how the committee did putting together the bracket. And uh, what would you say, give me one miss that you thought the committee had, whether it's the seating of a certain team or a team they left out. And then one thing that you would like to uh, to give the committee credit for. Um, okay, I'll start with a miss. Uh, I've, the two that jumped out, I'll just take one in case it's yours too. But uh, I, I know you and I both 
when we see a mid-major or what would formerly be known as a mid-major, you know, a smaller conference school that's having a career year, right? Like Dayton did a couple of years ago when the tournament got canceled. Uh, Gonzaga, obviously, before they became Gonzaga. And this year, that's Murray State. And, you know, they're getting a top five seed or uh, they're a seven seed, sorry. And that's, I'm sure that's their highest seed in school history, correct? Boy. Uh, I, I don't think they've ever been yeah, no, a single I, I, digit seed. I think you're right. Cause like the John Morant team was. That was like a 12 seed, right? Yeah. 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 They were like the perennial 12 seed that you love to pick over the five. So I love seeing them uh, get, get some respect. I think they probably could have been seated even a little higher. Um, I hate seeing them against a small West coast conference team like San Francisco. Yeah. I, mean, I, I want to see San Francisco go up against uh, a, a big time school, yeah. you know, and a, a Michigan state or something like that and see if they can, have a big upset. I don't want to see, I, I want to see USF get an upset and I don't want it to be Murray state. Yes. So I, I feel like that was a missed opportunity there uh, to, to pit, you know, at least I, I'd rather see in that situation, Murray state play maybe either, either a, a real small school nobody cares about, or I, let them take on a big school. Like, you know, if it's a, a Indiana or a school like that, that's kind of mid tier, I'd rather see them, you know, lose to one of those teams, then have now we're going to have San Francisco or Murray State lose in the first round. And I think both those teams would be pretty fun to watch. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I just want to correct one thing that we said about Murray State. So actually they did have uh, in 2012, they were a six seed. Really? That wow. team entered the tournament 30 and one, beat Colorado State in the first round, lost to Marquette in the second round in a, in a pretty competitive game, Murray state was at at halftime uh, best player for that Marquette team. Uh, Jay Crowder, who's turned into a pretty decent NBA player. So who was on that Murray state team. Yeah. Their best player was a guy that I vaguely remember named Isaiah cannon or Canaan. Okay. That does kind of ring a bell, but yeah. Yeah. Oh. But uh, 30 and one going into the tournament uh, yeah. two on the year. So Anyway, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And if you look at that, you know, particular region, to me, uh, that was an easy fix. You just, you know, throw San Francisco as the 11 seed against Texas and move Virginia Tech up to the 10 seed against Murray yeah. State and solve the problem. Right. Like, and, and not really done a disservice to, you know, San Francisco by making him play Texas instead of Murray State. I think that's comparable. But uh, I'm 100% with you. If I'm going to knock the committee on one thing, it's this is a weird thing to, to be passionate about, but it's the seeding of Jacksonville State as the 15th seed. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Atlantic Sun Conference was won by Jacksonville State regular season. They play the postseason tournament, and the postseason tournament was won by a little school named Bellarmine. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Bellarmine. Bellarmine, yeah. small school, small school in Louisville, Kentucky, that is new to Division One. It's just their second year in Division One, and because they're new to Division One, they're a transitional program. They're ineligible for the NCAA tournament. Right, right. So they yeah. win their conference tournament. They won their conference tournament over a school called Jacksonville, which is not to be confused with this school, Jacksonville State, because Jacksonville beat Jacksonville State in the Atlantic yes. Tournament. 
But because Bellarmine, Jacksonville State won the regular season. Won the regular season, right. So, so Bellarmine gets the celebration of winning the conference. They don't get invited to the tournament. Right. Jacksonville State kind of backs their way into the tournament, which, okay, fine. That's not their fault that they back their way into the tournament. But don't see them as a 15. Put them in a play-in game as a 16 seed. Make them earn their way into the field of 64 mm. because they didn't earn their way into the field of 64 yet. So – you know, th- throw that team in one of the 16 seats. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Mine. Uh, um, a couple, maybe a couple honorable mentions. I think yeah. I know this, this one has been making the rounds. So I do feel like Tennessee has a gripe. Uh, I think they should have been on the two line. Yeah. Um, I also think this is a, might be a word, uh, Gonzaga. I mean, they, the committee did these guys no favors, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of giving them the number one overall seed and then probably giving them the toughest quadrant of this bracket like that. Okay. Now we're going to, we're going to come back to what's the toughest quadrant. So hold that thought. Yeah. I'm- I just, I, I didn't, I didn't like putting Duke a team that beat Gonzaga and then you've got the three seed or the four seed. And that is Arkansas, which is always a tough out. Uh, and the three seed is Texas tech. I mean, the best defensive I, team in the country. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like they kind of, they're like, here, here you go with the number one overall seed, Gonzaga, but uh, here's a little screw you. So, yeah. Anything we want to compliment the committee on? We're always hard on these guys. Uh, anything that we can at least say, hey, they, they nailed this one right. I'll start uh, with one of the play in games. They've got Wyoming versus Indiana, which is exactly the type of play-in game that I want to see. Yeah. A storied, storied program that is barely holding on to relevancy and some random mid-major that's having you know their best year, best season in years and throw them on the same floor together and let's see, let's see how it how it shakes out. Um, I would probably say I think the best thing the committee did is seem to give a lot of credit to the smaller conference programs who had some pretty big wins in the non-conference you know uh colorado state uh saint mary's right these are traditionally schools that are gonna kind of at best come in at like a seven or a ten right i feel like we see those guys on the 10 line all the time yeah uh and you know saint mary's is a is a five and uh colorado state's a six Right. I mean, San Diego State, too, the, like a lot of these schools got, I think they got some respect from the committee. And it's nice to see uh, these schools who, you know, play some tough non-conference games and then do well in conference, get the respect they deserve. I agree. I agree. I think, I think they did, the, they, uh, they did a good job with that. And um, nice to see some of those smaller West Coast teams uh, in there as well. Well, so moving past the uh, the way the bracket was constructed, let's let's kind of get into it here, Jake. A uh, few I've got a few topics for us to discuss. We may not get to all of them. We'll we'll see how it goes. But the first one that I I'm kind of most fascinated in is the way I'm going to frame it is this: the Big Ten or the West Coast. So the Big Ten hasn't won a title since Michigan State in 2000. We haven't had a team west of the Mississippi win a title since Arizona in 1997. The Big Ten has more teams in this year than I think I can remember any team. They have nine teams in the tournament this year, emphasizing uh, quantity over quality. 
if you now the Pac-12 only has three teams in, but if you combine them with the West Coast Conference, who has three teams, and the Mountain West Conference, who has four teams, they've actually got a total. We've got ten kind of Western teams versus nine Big Ten teams. I have a, a an emphatic opinion on this, but who who do you think is going to have a better tournament, the Big Ten or the West Coast? Uh, I don't know if I'm stealing your thought. I think the answer is clearly the West Coast. Um, I think the, the Big Ten style of play has just not translated well to the tournament. Um, Purdue, perennially, I, I mean, I love Matt Painter. I love Purdue. I love the way they play um, year in and year out, but it's like they just haven't been able to break through, right? Um, Michigan State, that I feel like those guys could win it all this year or get destroyed in the first round. I mean, I, two weeks ago, they were on the bubble, on the outside looking in, and then they just went on a run and a tear. And it's like, they keep that going, you know? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's not that the, the Big Ten can't put a team in the Final Four or even potentially the championship or win it. But I, I would be surprised uh, if more than two of those teams made it out of the first weekend, I think, I think we're going to see first round upsets. And I think definitely in the second round, because I just don't think their style of play translates. Well, they, they have trouble scoring, um, you know, whether it's Illinois last year, right. I mean, these teams are really good in the regular season and they beat the heck out of each other, but there isn't, they, they also all kind of play similar styles. So when, you know, Purdue is playing Michigan State, is playing Illinois, is playing Ohio State, is playing Wisconsin. I mean, those teams all play a pretty similar style of play. And so when, if they go up against a, a Tennessee, a Kentucky, a Kansas, uh, you know, I think, or, or even a mid-major who likes to run and gun it, I, I think they're going to have trouble. Uh, whereas I think there's more variety, more athleticism on the West Coast. You know, you've got Gonzaga, obviously, that's the most efficient offense in the country. Um, and then you've got Arizona. UCLA. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, who's incredibly athletic and you've got UCLA who feel, I feel like, again, they, they're so balanced and um, they could, they could make another deep run and could, could play with anybody. Um, and I, I don't know what to make of St. Mary's. I mean, I'm not sure St. Mary's is, you know, that I would take St. Mary's to go further than, you know, uh, Wisconsin necessarily, but wouldn't shock me. So yeah, I'd say if you ask me how many, uh, if we just pick maybe top nine of each, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You said, which one is going to have more, make it out of the first weekend. I'd say clearly the West coast. So I agree with you. Um, here's what's interesting to me last year seemed like the year the Big Ten was set up to break this title ground. They had four of the top eight seeds, if you remember, in the tournament yeah. last And then three of them didn't make it out of the first round. You had Ohio State go down to Oral Roberts. You had or uh, Iowa got knocked out by Oregon in the second round. Illinois, you mentioned, got knocked out by Loyola. And so it was pretty much everything hinged on Michigan. They made it uh, to the Elite Eight, which is was decent, but they were number one seed. So it really was still kind of felt like a, a bit of a letdown, and they lost yeah. to an 11 seed. Uh, meanwhile, the Pac-12 last year came in totally under the radar and they have UCLA as an 11 seed make the final four. They had Oregon State, one of the last teams in the tournament, or a 12 seed 
make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, USC made the Elite Eight. So Oregon State won more games in the tournament last year than they did in the season this year. Isn't that great? Amazing. An amazing regression to the mean for the beat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm saying here is: is there a possibility? Is there a world in which you know you mentioned the high seeds that a lot of these Mountain West and West Coast conference teams have been? Of the ten West Coast teams, eight of them are seeded in a way that they should win their first round. Now, a couple of those are eight nine games, but like still, there. I mean, you know we could potentially have eight of the 32 teams to advance could be pac 12 teams it but is there a world where things just kind of fall apart for these west coast teams and the big 10 kind of surprises us that we're looking at a sweet 16 and we're like oh here's wisconsin and illinois and iowa and purdue like, I mean, it, would, would that would that shock you or are you pretty convicted in this sense that the Big Ten is is not a real, real threat this year? I, I'd, I, I would say I wouldn't quite agree with either either line or either. Well, you have to go that. one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, like, I don't think they're not like I don't it's not that I don't take them seriously. Like, I think Purdue, Michigan State even Illinois, like, I think some of these teams could, could make a final four run. Um, and I, you know, I'm pulling for Purdue to do so, but I think I'd be more surprised. Like I generally expect these teams uh, to kind of do what they did last year. Like, I just don't think, again, their conference is too similar in the style of play. Um, and so I think, you know, and if they're in a, ball control uh you know game against the like i think it's all it's gonna be all about the matchups ultimately um like i think saint mary's versus a potentially indiana in the second round or in, in the first round could be interesting because you know saint mary's isn't a run and gun team um so indiana might be well matched in that matchup so it wouldn't shock me to see indiana win that if but it also wouldn't surprise me at all. And I'd be betting on Indiana to lose the play-in game. So, uh, yeah, I, I would bet against the Big Ten. We're, we're going to cover, I think, the West Coast teams a little more when we get down to some of our predictions. Uh, as far as the Big Ten, if you had to pick one, one Big Ten team to make the Final Four, who are you putting your – Am I going with my heart or what I think is going to happen? No, like if you had to bet right now, like mm. – Okay, one Big Ten team to make the final four. Oh. That's a tough one. I think. I think I would go. This might surprise you. The pregnant pause is really good for uh, the podcast here. I know, I know. This might, this might, which is really weird because I never, I never stop talking. So, I, I would go with Wisconsin. I, I would as well. I like their draw. Yeah, that's you what know? I was thinking. It's, it's a, it's a decent draw. You know, Wisconsin beating Auburn in the Sweet Sixteen wouldn't really surprise me. 
I think. Well, Kansas, I could I could see Auburn going down to USC in the second round. Auburn right. could go down to USC. They might need a little help, somebody to take care of Kansas. But you know, we've seen Kansas do that before. Kansas might take care of Kansas. Yeah, exactly. That's so I I like their draw. I don't think they're the best team, uh, but I, I think they have the best path. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on. Uh, next category is our player or players to watch, and I know we're in unanimous agreement about this one. Jake, who is the player that you are you know planning your weekend around the most, trying to catch this player's performances in the hopes of seeing you know a forty point game or something like that? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, why don't you go with with the guy that we we're talking about. And then, I mean, I, I, I can pick somebody else. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's not the guy that we're talking about. It's the gal that we're talking about because we're talking about Kate. Oh, I, okay. I was thinking Bryant, you know? Oh no, that guy, that guy's, that guy's coming up later. <laughs> okay. I thought, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, clearly Caitlin Clark is going to be the player to watch. I mean, I named my bracket. I'm, this is maybe a little, <laughs> I named him the central Clark five. <laughs> Which have you heard of the Central Park Five? Yes, I have. yeah, I know. Not exact. That was my first thought. Was like I was trying to make a pun on her name, right? I was like, yeah. I don't know if this works, but uh, I was like, I like, I just love. I I, I have not been uh, like you know me. I tend to generally. Even my wife played college basketball, and she constantly makes fun of me. She's like, well, you never saw me play when we came and visited Whitworth and played against Whitworth, and I was like no i had a lot of better things to do than watch division three women's basketball uh so i have just found myself absolutely enthralled by her play and i there has not been a a player like her in the game men's or women's to me since like jimmer and steph uh i mean she is shooting from anywhere on the floor um i i just yeah i find her she is must watch television and i'm checking out this is the first year i've ever like looked at the women's bracket before yeah. the tournament uh and wanted to i know you posed the question like if you had your final four teams and you could uh you know every caitlin clark and iowa victory mm-hmm. meant one of your final four teams would lose yeah uh i like i i'm on her bandwagon i think that iowa team is just good too they've got three legit scorers um so you know in their in the big 10 championship she had a paltry performance by her standards i think 19 points on some pretty poor shooting uh but but they got a a post player who who i think had 28 or something um on there are there are two seed uh they have to go through south carolina would be the one seed in that bracket that's a really really tough draw if you're a two seed but uh she is she is certainly capable of just scorching the nets i think you're right that like in terms of her just ability to pull up from anywhere and to get shots off in a short amount of time she really it's it's not blasphemy to put her in the same conversation with jimmer fredette uh and steph curry and yeah. jj reddick and some of the great shooters that we've had uh but she's also a complete player. She averages eight assists and eight rebounds a game. Yeah. Which is something that, that Steph and Jimmer did not do, you know, when they were in their, in their college prime. So yeah. Uh, any other, any other uh, on the 
men's side of things, any others that you're particularly interested in uh, seeing how they do, whether it's uh, one of the guys from Gonzaga or UCLA or, or one of the oh, other. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I would definitely, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see can Juzang replicate last year's performance? Cause he just seemed, I don't know what his field goal percentage was, but it seemed like he could not miss in the tournament yeah. last year. I mean, he was stellar mid range from behind the arc. It didn't matter. Uh, he, he was fantastic. And so I'm interested to see, can he replicate that uh, or even, you know, come close uh, or does he have a clunker of a game and they, you know, they, they've got balance too between Campbell and uh, Hawkes and him, like they've got, and then Riley too. So I think they can win games without him playing out of his mind, but boy, if he rises to the occasion like that, I, that's where they could go to the championship and win it all. Right. So I'm really interested in that. I'm also interested in, you know, beginning of the year when we watched Duke and Gonzaga play, Paulo Bancaro looked like he was a level above Chet Holmgren, right? Like everybody walked out of that game going, uh, we thought Holmgren was number one pick. Clearly, Bancaro is, is light years ahead of him. And now that script has flipped. Right. Um, he's been super inconsistent. Uh, kind of just disappears for games at a time, or at least parts of games at a time. So I'm interested to see, can he put together some consistent numbers? Can he rise to the occasion and kind of play worthy of that number one overall pick, uh, you know, mantle that he's carried? So, uh, yeah, I, I find him to be a, an interesting watch, too. Those are good choices. Uh, and I'm with you. I'm with you on Juzang, especially. I mean, he was fantastic in last year's tournament. And if you're riding UCLA at all in your bracket this year, you're you're anticipating him to kind of reach that same level. That may not be realistic, but uh, we'll see. You, you uh, referenced this, so I'm just going to cut to it right now. There is a true villain in this year's tournament that we need to talk about. And it is an uncharacteristic villain because he plays for a 16th seed that has never made the tournament before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is uh, Peter Kiss of Bryant University. Once again, Bryant has never made the tournament before. Peter Kiss is the nation's leading scorer, averages more than 25 points per game. Uh, you and I have both only watched parts of one game of his, but it was the Northeast Conference Championship game against Wagner, which, which Bryant won by 30-plus. And... Peter Kiss could not have been more freaking obnoxious. <laughs> he, he's, he's flexing his muscles after a dunk. He's doing push-ups. Yeah, he's doing push-ups when he gets knocked over. He's kind of doing like little jitterbug moves as he's going down the court. Uh, at one point, he threw down an alley-oop with, with Brian up by about 30 points with five minutes to go. He threw down an alley-oop, then does the raise the roof motion to the student section and then a, a fight breaks out between the Wagner fans who were few and the Bryant students. The game is halted. The police are in the arena and the student section keeps going with like various chants directed at the Wagner fans or at the Wagner players. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, the AD had to come on the microphone and like tell everybody to stay off the floor and to calm down. And I'm like, this is classless. And it, it, look, it, yeah, it is the it is the perfect like act like you've been there before, please. You know, right. or hey, I mean, if you want to get ex- I, I have no problem with getting excited and freaking out when you make it to the tournament for the first time. That's great, but respect your opponent and respect the game. And okay, I mean, I think it, it could be a little endearing if like you're a 16 seed and you're beating a one seed and you start to flex or something. It's like, yeah, you earned it. You know, you're knocking off a one seed, right? Yeah. But this just, yeah, I I hate it. It drives me absolutely nuts. And I'm I'm like, as a coach, what are you what are you doing? Like, how are you? I, I don't know. Like, of course you want, because to me, it's one thing, like guys play quote unquote dirty, right? I think there's an argument to be made like, well, we're playing tough. I coach my guys to play tough. Right? I say, Hey, if you're going to foul a guy, he doesn't make it. You know, like, I think you can like be saying, Hey, this is how we play. And sometimes that goes over the line and it might be dirty or might appear dirty. Yeah. I don't like, if you want your guys to play with enthusiasm and energy and sometimes they're going to get a little too heated, I could see that too. But that, this was not that like, this was not just a big moment and he like kind of shot his mouth off or did something that, you know, instigated a fight with like, it was throughout the entire game. From, from, from the opening tip, you, yeah, I felt like this guy is, uh, yeah. So, okay. Here, here's where I want to go with this conversation though. Uh, so he's on a 16 seed. They're playing one of the one of the first four games. They play uh, Wright State. The winner of that game then gets Arizona. So I'm thinking like right. if we're thinking of of this guy going down in history as an all-time tournament villain, he can't lose the play-in game, right? Like if they Correct. just if they just lose the play-in game, he's forgotten. Correct. But, but if but I mean, I think you and I are both going to play pay a little more attention to that game because he's in it. Absolutely, because he's both a capable of scoring thirty points, and b capable of causing a riot in the stands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I think best case scenario here is he does both of those things, right? Like he plays really great, he acts just as obnoxious. In fact, if he cranks it up to a level eleven. There you go. And now we have a true villain going in against Arizona. And then I think we need him to at least have a first half that is making people sweat a little bit. Like where it's like, no, this guy is not going to lead a 16 over a one. Is he like, right. Like it's, it's close at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has 18 points at the half and they're down by two and we're just kind of going like, okay, this has gone on too far. Like, I think that's, that's kind of what we need out of, out of, peter kiss uh does that does that sound right i think so like i'm trying to think of what the most satisfying like i, I don't think it's satisfying if he just goes 0 for 12 and they lose by 50 because we're you're not going to watch that game no no I, I agreed agreed and uh yeah but i want his heart to be ripped out <laughs> oh like that's a like i either want him to be like in the situation where he could win it and he blows it mm, mm. or uh, for like them to be up and have Arizona make like an incredible 
you know, series of shots or something to just snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Like to just have them lose in heartbreaking fashion uh, would be, I think, the most satisfying to me. Or, or a key technical, like with a minute to go. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, it's going to be must watch, I think, uh, at least for the play in game. And then, and then we'll see if, if uh, he can advance. But uh, it's good in sports to have these villains. Like, I, I, I do wish, it. personally, right? I wish Bryant was playing a different number one seed. Because, yes. right? Because then if they did happen to win, yeah, like if he's playing Baylor. Baylor, yeah, that's what I was wanting. Like then we're just kind of Baylor. Like, yeah. Then he becomes even more of a villain. He he leads the upset. Now he's playing North Carolina and like right, right. Becomes a thing. But it, it did remind me that the guy that I compared him to uh, back in 2013 it was a guard for Ole Miss, Marshall Henderson. Yeah. He led Ole Miss on a run through the SEC tourney. They won the in a row there. They beat Wisconsin in the first round, and then they lost in the second round and he was he was not the same type of obnoxiousness but the same caliber in terms of like a good enough player to make you nervous but like did not handle any of it with any sort of class no and, uh, drove yeah. you nuts and i mean really it's it's good to have those guys every once in a while we don't necessarily possible to root for yeah but uh but it, but it's good to have okay let's um let's take things in a more dignified direction here. And uh, we're going to talk about coach K final tournament for the great uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Now they are a two seed in Gonzaga's region. And I think both of us having spent some time in Spokane would love to see Gonzaga knock out Duke. Let's, let's take that off the table as an option. So let's say uh, let's say Gonzaga loses before playing Duke, just to kind of remove it as an option. What is our best case scenario? Like, what to you is the way you kind of want to see this thing wrap up for Coach K? Do you want him to go down in the first round to Cal State Fullerton? Do you want him to make the Final Four and then and then get beat by somebody good like like UCLA or somebody like that? Like, what is if you could script it? For Coach K, and I was taking the Gonzaga piece out of the picture. How do you want to see it go down? How do I want to see it? Yeah. I, I want to see it crash and burn. <laughs> like, okay. So first round, Cal State Fullerton? Uh, I guess, okay, I guess. You wanted to lose to Izzo in the second round? I, I Yeah, looking at it, I'm, I just, I don't have the affinity, like, I feel about Duke the way I feel about the New York Yankees. You know, I just, I, I cannot pull for them, right? Um, and it drives me freaking nuts. Uh, I, I, I've been, I've never liked them and I really hated them when they beat Butler, you know? Uh, so I, I don't really feel like Coach K is owed anything. Um, you know, this isn't like a group of seniors where it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, he recruited these guys and he's going to see him through, you know, this is, this is Kirk Heinrich and, and, uh, um, help me out. Uh, Nick Collison. Uh, Nick Collison. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel like, oh, uh, this is a swan song with this tremendous group of, of upperclassmen. Um, I mean, it's the end of an era. He's a tremendous coach, obviously. 
Um, but I don't feel like he's owed anything by, by this. So I uh, personally, yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to see them go down to Davidson in the second round. That would be my ideal. Have Davidson beat Michigan State uh, and then Davidson knock out Duke in the second round. Um, I think I think that'd probably be my my ideal. But I I think from that's kind of wanting a little bit of you know a little retribution against Coach K. Uh, I think what would be probably best for the tournament have them go down to Texas Tech. Uh, I love Tech. I think they're a better story, and I think there's a little less shame in losing to them. So uh, 16, sweet 16 matchup have Texas tech beat Duke in a slugfest. That's actually how I've got it in my bracket right now. Uh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Because I think watching Duke against uh, in these landmark games for coach K against North Carolina's last home game, Virginia tech, the ACC title game, like Duke just did not play with the kind of intensity that that they really needed to play with and they might be able to survive a couple rounds like that but watching texas tech who is the best defensive team in the country who plays defense like their life depends on it uh like they're just they're tougher than duke Mm -hmm. and i think if it got to those two teams in the sweet 16 i think uh i i like tech's chances and i also like that uh tech has this journeyman head coach mark adams yeah who, uh, you know, he's, he's got like this random career where he's, he's won a junior college national title. He coached at the NAI level. He took some time away from coaching to own a semi-pro hockey team. Like just kind of this winding road. And now in his first year at like a major college program, uh, he's finally kind of got this opportunity of a lifetime. And uh, at 65 years old, it would be pretty cool if he coached the team to knock yeah. off. Okay. Yeah, I think another, it would be an interesting matchup to see Michigan State play them too, don't you think? Like that's the type of one where I go, I actually think Michigan State would have a better chance against Texas Tech than Duke would. Um, yes. Yeah. Right? Like I think that's kind of a game where I'm like, ooh, that's that's how Sparty could get to the Final Four type thing, you know? Yeah. Because um, Texas Tech, like you said, phenomenal defense, but they're also that team that you're like, if they give up 50 i don't think they can score 50 you know like exactly so okay i want to run through uh i want to just run through some we don't we don't have to spend a lot of time on any of this stuff but just some some odds and ends and then we're going to kind of get into real you know making predictions and stuff like that but some some odds and ends uh lsu's coach uh will wade was fired Long time coming. There's been an FBI investigation about some recruiting shenanigans. So this was this was kind of a foregone conclusion to some degree. Uh, but they've now promoted an, an interim coach. They hired Sean Miller, right? No. no. <laughs> oh, they, oh, they did. Okay. So they, they hired Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Absolutely. Just slide him over, right? <laughs> no. So they they promote. They actually fired uh, Will Wade, and they fired his lead assistant. And so then they promoted one of the other assistants to head coach. Now, this actually happened for LSU two years ago. Will Wade got suspended. When this whole thing first started, he was suspended. They promoted an assistant and they went to the Sweet 16, uh, you know, with this interim coach. If you want to go back all the way to 1989, when Michigan fired their coach right before the tournament, Steve Fisher comes in and leads them all the way to the national championship. So we kind of have a history of interim coaches 
uh, coming in and, and kind of getting a little run. Are, are you buying or selling LSU stock right now with the interim coach coming ooh, in? Ooh. Uh, I don't know that the, I don't know that the coach, I, I, okay. I guess I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, I think they're probably going to have uh, an us against the world, right? Mindset. Like, Hey, everybody thinks it's counting us out. Everybody's trashing us. Uh, so I, th- I think that can motivate them a little bit. Um, I just think, I think they've got a good draw though, too. Iowa state decent could beat them, but I, I don't think LSU should be afraid of that matchup. And then assuming Wisconsin beats Colgate again, I don't think Wisconsin's putting a lot of fear into, into LSU. So, uh, and then they'd probably be matched up against a conference opponent in Auburn in the sweet 16. So uh, I could definitely see LSU get into the sweet 16 uh, and even an elite eight. I don't know how much the, the coaching swap is going to have to do with that, but I think it probably, if anything helps them because uh, it, it makes them a bit of an underdog and probably puts a chip on their shoulder. I feel the same way. Uh, I feel the same way. And I, I think it's one of those things that if they win a couple games, the interim coach gets all the credit and if they lose in the first round, nobody remembers that. that it yeah, was right. Yeah. Uh, another another coaching uh, situation I want to talk to you about. So uh, Jawan Howard, coaching at Michigan, coaching his alma mater at Michigan, uh, got into. And by the way, I think another uh, seating miss. I think Michigan and Wisconsin should have been in the same <laughs> okay, draw. Should... Like that. That yeah. needed to happen. Like we needed yeah. to see a potential rematch there. So that was, that was a miss that w- I missed talking about too. So. Yeah. And of course what Jake is referring to is uh, Jawan Howard taking a swing at a Wisconsin assistant coach in the handshake line and got, he got suspended for the last five games of the regular season. Uh, now they had their Phil Martelli stepped in as the head coach, Phil Martelli, longtime coach at St. Joe's coached uh, St. Joe's to the elite eight one year. Uh, Speaking of, isn't Jameer Nelson's kid in the tournament now too? Yes, he plays for Delaware. Uh, they played in the first round. Um, so anyway. So, Elena Della Don, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's the most famous Delaware alum I can think of. Very good. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. I, I was in basketball, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jawan Howard is, is uh, coaching his alma mater at Michigan uh, and was in the news for a little scrum had to be replaced by uh, his assistant coach who himself was a very successful head coach for many years. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, also coaching his alma mater, legendary player there at Memphis, also has been in the news uh, for not the best of reasons. He had a profanity laced tirade at a reporter who kind of basically uh, implied that his team had underachieved this year. And Penny, Penny didn't like that. And so you've got kind of these two former players. You're talking about Penny. Hotheads. Yeah. Now, Penny Hardaway, his top assistant is the great Larry Brown, Hall of Fame coach, Larry Brown. So my, my hypothetical to you is <laughs> yeah. if, if Jawan Howard gets thrown out of the first game and Penny Hardaway gets thrown out of the first game at the exact same time, exact same score, yeah. are, you, are you more hopeful in the Martelli being promoted or the Larry Brown, like who takes those teams further without their head coach? Oh, clearly Larry, Larry Brown. 
right? Does, I mean, does he still have it though? You know, I, I mean, what the only guy to win a national championship, an NBA title, and a gold medal, right? Oh, I he did not win the gold medal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was that's that's the one mark on it. Larry that's, Brown won everywhere he went except Team USA, except Team USA. Uh, that I don't know. I think Larry Brown is I, what Phil Martelli best best run was an elite eight, right? Elite eight, but Phil Martelli yeah. has already coached this team to a couple big wins to get them into the tournament, so he's already kind of earned their their buy-in yeah i mean well michigan versus tennessee i think michigan's gonna get boat raced in the second round um i just don't think there's any way they can i I think that's a 20 point game yeah um and by the same token memphis they win gets the (laughs) prize of playing gonzaga right so uh honestly i think that's gonna be a closer game probably yeah. Um, so I guess if you're saying like, what would I bet on? I, I think probably Memphis would have a better chance at winning that second round matchup. Uh, I just think that's a closer matchup. So in that sense, then Martelli, but if we're just talking about coaching chops, uh, I, I think Larry Brown is clearly going to be the, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good guy to fall back on. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think what struck me about it, and I probably didn't frame frame the question in a way that captured this, but uh, like you potentially got the better coach is the assistant, you know? like Yeah, right, right. So I just wonder like how much of the time are, you know, is Penny Hardaway drawing up an inbounds play and Larry Brown is sitting there going, it's not how I would do it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's, let's move on. There are some family connections uh, I wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, Iowa has a pair of identical twins, Keegan Murray, who's one of the best scorers in the nation, and his brother, Jamie Murray, who is the sixth man for Iowa. Does knowing that Iowa has a pair of twins that are very active players on the team, does that like cause you to take them further in the bracket than you normally would? Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you don't, that, no, that doesn't give you a little chemistry. I, see, I, I see that and I, I'm like, that team has to win like that, that. That day it's not getting upset by Richmond. I refuse to consider Iowa getting upset by Richmond. <laughs> They've got twins. Because, no, no, no. That's, that's, because, like, that's like a team having a kid who's from Ukraine and being like, does the fact that he comes from a country that's being attacked right now by the Russians, do you think the fact that he's dealing with that kind of adversity means he's going to be able to stand the test of the tournament a little better? I would a hundred percent back. back right. Find find me a Ukrainian in the tournament, and I'm, and I'm picking them to win. Yeah, uh, you, San Francisco. San Francisco's got a post player whose dad oh, really? currently. Yeah, they uh, were doing a special on it during the WCC tournament. That uh, his mom it. and sister are now in. Uh, I forget. I think it's Latvia. It's one of the Baltic states, and his dad is fighting. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, but uh, that will not influence how I far I pick San Francisco because one thing does not impact the other there. So let's, let's keep it, let's keep it on the question at hand, which was the twins. I feel like what that is begging for is, you know, on like the, the Saturday of the second round, there's like a lull, there's like one game and then, you know, you've got halftime and there's no other game to watch. 
like, but they always have some kind of touching story. And it's a touching story that came out of the first couple days of the tournament. And I just feel like that's begging for CBS to run a little like five minute little story about the Murray brothers playing in Iowa. They interview their parents, like, you know, and then it comes back to Greg Gumbel and he's like, Iowa takes on, you know, Providence today at 4.05 Eastern. Like that just, I mean, I think that, but that doesn't (laughs) like the fact that that would be a nice story has no impact on Iowa. Like, I think the fact that Iowa is a good team uh, you know, they're probably going to be Richmond, but I also, I mean, again, Mark, Iowa two seed last year and you know, they're, I just don't have a lot of faith in, in those teams, those big 10 teams making it out of the first weekend. So. All right. I'm, um, I'm just going to note this one and we're going to come back and revisit it. After okay. This weekend. Uh, I got one other question for you about families. Uh, a couple years ago, Dayton was on track to be a number one seed. They were having the best team in, in school history. Yeah. Obi Toppin was their best player. And we never got to see Obi Toppin compete in the NCAA tournament. He was the national player of the year, drafted very high in the NBA draft. Uh, Dayton, you know, we never got to see that Dayton team that was having an all-time historic season. So Obi Toppin's younger brother, Jacob Toppin, plays for Kentucky. You and I both despise Kentucky, I think, as much as any team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Can't really imagine a scenario rooting for Kentucky. Does the fact that for the Toppin family, they were deprived of this March Madness moment for their one son, now they've got a second son with Kentucky, does that does that give you any sense of, well, I, I, I hope Kentucky wins a few games for the Toppin family? Ah. Uh... I would say yes, but no, because I don't want them to beat Murray State. Like, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're saying, and I do feel for that family. And so if it was like, you know, Kentucky versus Kansas or Kentucky versus, uh, I don't know, Alabama or somebody like that, I'd go, oh, yeah, sure. Teams I don't really like, give them the nod. But uh, no, I want Murray State to bounce them in the second round. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I tried to talk myself into it. I was watching him in the SEC tournament and I was like, oh, I kind of like this Jacob Toppin, but like he still plays for Kentucky. Still plays for Cal. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, let's get into kind of the meat and potatoes here. Uh, what is the toughest region? You, you are making the case. I believe that you said Gonzaga has the toughest draw. Uh, elucidate that a little more. Uh, okay. First, <clears throat> I mean, Duke obviously beat him earlier this year. So Duke's going to be a tough out, I think, if they have to play them. Uh, then you've got Arkansas, who is fantastic. Bama, who beat them. I mean, so Gonzaga, their prize for getting one seed was having to be in the same bracket as two teams that beat them in their non-conference play this year. Um, I guess that's setting it up to be a more poetic finish if they're able to you know, march to the championship and win it all this year. Uh, but I, I think also the thing that, that makes it tough is last year, Gonzaga was just so clearly overmatched with Baylor, Baylor's athleticism and toughness. Um, and that's an undefeated Gonzaga team, senior laden, or at least experience laden. Yeah. And they just, they had no answers, right? Like yeah, first 10 minutes of that game, we knew. It's not happening. 
Yeah. And that's, that's incredibly disappointing for an undefeated team to have that kind of a finish. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I like their chances against Duke if they have to play Duke. If, uh, if I'm them, I'm probably most worried about Texas Tech because uh, that's a physical, tough team that will slow them down. Um, and if Gonzaga can't find an answer, then I think they're going to have a real tough time in that. Um, but gosh, I'm looking at, you know, they're playing either Arkansas or UConn most likely in the Sweet 16. Tough matchup. Even Boise State Memphis in the second round. Like, would it shock you if the Zags lost that second round game? Um, it, it never really shocks me when a one seed loses in the second round because we, right. I think we see that about every two years, uh, yeah. like that happens. So it, yeah, it wouldn't shock me this year either, but I mean, I'd be hugely disappointed and I think it would be surprising for sure, but I don't know. They've just got, they've, not they've, only do they have teams that are really good. I think the matchups are, are going to be difficult for them. Well, and you, you didn't even mention the sixth seed in that bracket is Alabama, who also beat Gonzaga earlier this year. Yeah, no, I said that because remember oh, I said that because because Bama and Duke both beat. That's right. And then you mentioned UConn, but I just want to draw this out. Uh, last year in that uh, national championship game, Baylor crushed Gonzaga on the offensive class, just destroyed them yeah. on the offensive boards. UConn is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And that's the type of thing, that's the type of matchup that you get sometimes in March where you're like, oh, that could be the worst five right. for them to end up with. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, so I, I see your case with the West. I, I'm going to say, um, I think the South is maybe not as deep as the West, uh, but I think the South at the top is really, really good because I think Arizona this year might be a little better than Gonzaga this year. Mm -hmm. I think Villanova concerns me a little more than Duke. Duke to me does not seem up to the moment. Villanova is the best free throw shooting team in NCAA history. And they have a fifth year point guard who's, you know, Jay Wright said is the best leader the program's ever had, Colin Gillespie. So like Villanova is a team that I wouldn't want to play. Tennessee is coming in really hot. A lot of people thought they should have gotten the two seed, even though yeah. they're coached by Rick Barnes. I think they're, I think they're a really dangerous team. I mean, those are, those three teams all won their conference tournaments. Yeah. Illinois has one of the best big men in the country. Um, Houston was a final four team last year. Like, so I think up at those, like those first four or five, I look at it and I say, those teams all, all could make a really deep run. None of those teams are teams that I want to see. It doesn't quite hold up the further you go, you know. Uh, Colorado State as a six seed, I don't think, right, really scares me. You know, Ohio State this as year, a seven, you know, seems seems like they don't really have their act together. But uh, I would make the case for the South. I, I, yeah, I think that's a. I mean, looking at those two two quadrants of the bracket, it's it's tough. I mean, don't you feel like? if you had those top four seeds in either of those division or those uh, regions, boy, I think any of them could make it right. Like obviously it wouldn't surprise you if Duke made it to the final four. Wouldn't surprise me if Tennessee made it to the final four or Villanova yeah. or, 
or even Arkansas, right? So that's, yeah. That's Whereas if I'm Kansas and I'm looking at uh, Auburn, Wisconsin, Providence, yep. and Iowa. Right. Wisconsin is a three seed. Providence is a four seed. That's, that's clearly. Yeah. You're not, you're not sweating. Providence just got beat by what? 20 to 20 plus to Creighton. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, What let's first, let's go with our hearts and then let's go with our brains. We're going to, we're going to make some, some picks here. First let's go best case, worst case. And let's say uh, for you, Jake, what are some things that you don't necessarily think these will happen? You're not penciling them in. But like, man, you really want to see it happen. Like, give me, give me two. Okay, two things I really want to see happen. Um, well, why don't, why don't I do one, then you do one? Well, yeah, we'll take turns. That's yeah, okay. Turns. Yeah. Um, I think. I I really want to see. I know this goes against a little bit of what I was saying earlier. I really want to see Purdue get over the hump this year. Um, I think it would be awesome to see, like, I, I'm kind of pulling, I, this normally goes against my grain. I'm kind of pulling for Chris Beard in Texas. Like, I just, I like the way he coaches. I don't like how he left Texas Tech for Texas, but I know it's his alma mater, and so I'm kind of explained away. But, you know, it's first, second year. So, yeah, I, I don't, like, I'd love to see Texas beat Virginia Tech, lose to Purdue, right? So Purdue beat Texas. And then I'd love to see Purdue beat Kentucky, if Kentucky's there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if Murray State's there, I, I'd still, like, I'd pull for Purdue, right? Like, I, I wouldn't feel like, oh, man. Like, if Murray State won, I'd be pretty happy, but I would love to see Purdue win that. So if they could knock out Texas and then Kentucky or Murray State – and then they're in the Elite Eight playing potentially, you know, Baylor uh, or UCLA. Like, I just find Purdue to be so likable. They, pl- they, they take care of the ball. They defend. They rebound. They shoot well. Um, they're balanced. They're, they, they are classy. Uh, everything that Bryant is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and Matt Painter's been there for how long? I mean... 20 years practically I don't when did Katie retire yeah I mean they've had two coaches over the last 42 years yeah yeah like it's something like that I mean it's about 20 years for each of them. yeah and he perennially turns out good teams um and you know the one year where they seem to have the team like you know when they got matched up with Virginia I that was the game I just didn't want anybody to lose um yeah thank you know so I'm I'm really pulling for Purdue because that especially in that bracket I think the most likable team to me is UCLA, who I yeah right I certainly don't want Baylor or Kentucky. Uh, Saint, Mary, so, Saint Mary's would be another one you could get correct. Back. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind Saint Mary's, but uh, I yeah I'd love to see Purdue come out of that. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. I'm going to keep mine in the same uh, little region there. I think my best ca- my best case, and I may put this in my bracket as well, but in, in terms of like a heart pick, I would love to see Murray State beat Kentucky in the second round. Totally. And the reason for this, one is, of course, just because I don't like Kentucky and I do like Murray State, but... Well, the interstate, too, then. Interstate right? thing. And what this reminds me of, Jake, is a few years ago, 
when Fred Van Vliet was a senior at Wichita and Kansas had to play Wichita in the second round. They didn't want to schedule them in the regular season because they were like, we want no part of this team. They've been to the final four. They've had an undefeated regular season. They've got this pair of senior guards and Van Vliet and Ron Baker. Like, so Kansas wanted no part of them. They have to play them in the tournament. Wichita ran them off the court in the second half. It was, it was a wonderful moment. And this feels like it could set up for the same. How about Loyola Chicago beating Illinois last year? Yes. Yes, right? exactly. Same, the same, same dynamic. Yeah. So, uh, pulling for that. What about what's what's a worst case? What is like uh, the thing that you fear is going to happen? Uh, is it Baylor repeating? Is it uh, you know like yeah. there's a lot of different ways we could go? Is it Gonzaga losing in the second round? Like what is what is the thing that? Uh, yeah, I think I think to me worst case is Gonzaga going down early um because I you know if if Baylor I don't, I don't know I don't know why I don't like Baylor because I think Scott Drew is a good guy like and his players love him um they're not dirty I mean they're disheveled but they're not dirty yeah um I I like the way they play like I think if if they were, I don't know, if they were just at a different jersey on, I would totally love them. But there is something about the fact that they're Baylor that just kind of makes them not as likable. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind Baylor having, like Gonzaga having to play Baylor in the Final Four. I would like that because I think that would be a great story arc, right? That team they got yeah. boat raced by last year. They have to beat them to get to the, you know, kind of a Duke UNLV type thing. Um, so yeah, Gonzaga going down to like Memphis or Boise state in the second round would be devastating to me because we know, first of all, uh, I, I can't name a single player on Boise state's team. I know they got a couple, couple guys in double figures and stuff and they're, they're a decent team, but they're not going anywhere. Memphis, I don't think is very likable for some reasons you mentioned earlier. Um, so Gonzaga goes out. That's going to take a lot of steam out of this tourney for me. I'm with you. I'm with you on those. Uh, I, another one that I'll throw in there, uh, you know, from that, from that Baylor region, you know, if Kentucky comes out of that region as the final four team, I think I would, I, I would not like that at all. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, up in the, up in the South region, just give me anybody but Houston. Like I do not, totally, totally. not want to return trip from Houston to the final four. I think my worst case, like realistic final four would probably be Houston, Auburn, Kentucky, and Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. That would be uh, the SEC just is not likable, right? Like, yeah, they're, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, okay, so let's go on record. We're gonna make, we're gonna make our final four picks. But first, I want us each to claim one Cinderella team that we're, we're putting down, and we're saying this team, you know, is at least gonna spring an upset in the first round. So who are you going on record with? Oh, uh, uh, okay. This has got to be, they've got to be a mid-major. Right. 
So you can't pick like 11 seed Michigan. They've got to be a mid-major and they've got to be seeded. Oh, I w- yeah, I would never pick a major conference school that's been a low seed. 10th or lower. Um, that That's tough call. I just don't know. Okay, I, I don't have a great reason for this. I honestly, I can't name a player on their, their team. Uh, it has more to do with my lack of trust in the big 10 in particular, you know, grinded out teams like Wisconsin. So I, I'm going to go with Colgate. The toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, I remember we were watching them last year because they were one of the first games of the tournament. We were together for the first round and they were playing Arkansas, I believe. And what we knew about them was like Colgate shoots a ton of threes. Yeah. And for the first, it felt like maybe 30 minutes of the game. It was like they, they were, hung with them. And, and then the last 10 minutes or so, Arkansas just kind of ran away. But I almost feel like when a team shows up and does that, in a tournament, that's a good team to kind of back the next year because they're not going to be in awe of the moment. Like, you Correct. know, the guys that were in that game, you know, because with these smaller schools, they're not having the roster turnover to the bigger schools. So it's probably the same guys. They're going to come back. And Wisconsin has a style of play that doesn't really like Arkansas goes that's, up and that's down. That's the thing to me. Arkansas, they have the athleticism. Yeah. Right. Ar- so, Arkansas was going end to end, and for a while Colgate was hanging up, hang, hanging with them, right. and then it just felt yeah, like Colgate doesn't need to score seventy to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, right. They just need to, Low. yeah, hit their free throws, hit a couple timely threes. They need Wisconsin to have a little bit of it, but like Wisconsin, they're a good team, right? And they have been for perennially a good team, but they don't scare anybody, right? Like you're never like, oh gosh we got to play Wisconsin and they are like, you're going, if we don't play well, they're going to take advantage of it. But I mean, I think anybody in this tournament feels like we could beat Wisconsin. They're very similar to how, how the Virginia teams with Tony Bennett have felt the last few Yes, years, where, exactly. Where yeah. they could beat anybody because of that style, but they're also very, very vulnerable. vulnerable. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Who are you picking? I'm going to go on record. Uh, I've got two teams I want to flag, but one of them I'm going on record with is the Jackrabbits of San South Dakota State. Oh, I was looking at that one too. Because now, does that have more to do with them or Providence? It's it's a sweet combination of the two things. For yeah. one, for South Dakota State, they're the best three point shooting team in the country. They've got multiple guys over fifty percent from beyond the arc. Love that. So, so they're yeah. the type of team that could come in and just absolutely torch somebody. So I like that independent of the matchup but yeah providence strikes me as as one of the biggest frauds and i i like providence like i kind of hope i'm wrong like i i wouldn't mind seeing them make make a little run but it just seems like uh like they won the big east but they lost both of their games to villanova and then they just get housed by creighton in the big east tournament so it's like yeah they don't really feel like the best team in the big east they don't really feel like they should be a top four seed. They feel to me more like a, like an eight seed, uh, masquerading as a four seed. So, I I'm I'm in on South Dakota State, and I'm even looking at them. That's if they beat Providence and they're playing Iowa in the second round. You have two teams that shoot the lights out and do not play any defense, <laughs> and 
And it's like, that game could be in the nineties. Like, yeah. <laughs> they could... so uh, I'm pulling for the Jackrabbits. I'm going to flag one other team uh, and, and I'm not as strong on this team, but I'm kind of intrigued. And that is the 13 seed in the West the Vermont Catamounts. Oh yeah. Don't like the matchup with Arkansas for the reasons we just mentioned. I don't right. like, uh, I don't like the matchup, but Vermont won the America East tournament and they destroyed everybody they played. They won every game they played by more than 30 points. I was going to say, didn't they have a 30 point margin? Yeah. Yeah. Which whenever that happens, I just kind of look at that and I say, well, if, if Gonzaga was playing in that tournament, we would expect them to be winning these games by 30 points. Like if any good team were to do this, that's what we would be expecting. And what's their guards name? Bungu or something or Bunju? I don't ask me to pronounce it, but yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, he's got that little Sorrentine flavor to him, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. I, I have a soft spot in, uh, in my heart for Vermont because of the TJ Sorrentine team that upset uh, Syracuse many years ago. So I always am kind of wanting to pick Vermont to win in the first round. Again, I really don't like the matchup. I think if, if, like, if Vermont was playing Wisconsin, I would feel much more confident. Totally. Or any Big Dead team, right? You'd be like, yeah, like Illinois. I would love Vermont versus Illinois, right? But yeah, I agree with you. Arkansas, and I think Musselman's a good coach. Like I, I just, I don't think his team is going to show up unprepared to play, right? Um, so yeah, I think that that's going to be a tough, tough ask for tough, tough ask for the Catabounts. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jake, let's let's get down to it. Uh, we've we've had a really good time talking about this can i ask real quick i'm interested how far do you have loyola chicago going well i've I've got them beating ohio state and then i've got them losing the to villanova just because what i said about villanova i feel like they're they're a team shooting you know they're equipped to handle a team like loyola whereas if loyola could have played like auburn in the second round i would be thinking about them you know okay okay where do you have them i have them beating villanova and then going down to Tennessee, mm. which I don't feel great about. Um, I, I think if they could beat Villanova, they could beat Tennessee. Sure, they could. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also, I mean, looking at it, if you ask me which team do I have more confidence in going farther, I would tend to say Villanova as opposed to Tennessee. But I think I got a little bit of recency bias with, with Tennessee because just watching them play in yeah. the SEC tournament. And I... I mean, I don't know how good of a coach Rick Barnes is, right? Like, I think Rick Barnes has uh, has won the most tournament games of any coach who has a below five hundred record in the tournament. Like, he's like, yeah, twenty and twenty two as a coach in the tournament. Right. Like he just does not instill a lot of confidence. Like, I don't believe they're going to make a deep run. But I also am like, gosh, they're good though. They're really good. Yeah. So. I will say I, I like I, the fact that they got kind of, you know, everybody's been talking about them getting jobbed with the seeding. So maybe that, you know, makes them play with a little bit of. An I, always, I always felt like his, his Texas teams always had big names, you know, Kevin Durant. Right. And LaMarcus Aldridge. DJ Ford. Yeah. DJ Augustine. And, and, and they never seemed to, outside of the TJ Ford team that went to the final four, they never seemed to really live up to the hype. Like Kevin Durant was the leading scorer in the country. And, and I think they lost in the second round. Like they just, yeah. uh, they never seemed to kind of put it all together. I will say that his Tennessee teams seem to play with a little more chemistry 
they seem to be kind of more guys uh the underappreciated guy like like they're passed over by Kentucky like these are yeah. the guys that like they, they're not McDonald's All-Americans yeah so they ha- they seem to have a little more grit a little more toughness so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if 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 Tennessee had a nice little run in this tournament. sure because I do like uh, watching them play. He is 24 and 25 in the Oh, gosh. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, good enough Good enough to make it there 25 times, 26 times, counting this year. But That's stunning. Uh, okay. So, let's go on the record. Final four picks. Uh, I think I'm just going to ask you to give me all four. I'll give you all four of mine, and then we'll, uh, we'll say who we, we'd like to win the title. Oh, okay. I'm so I filled this out Sunday night. I filled this out last night and I'm, you know, looking at it and I'm like, okay, this, I mean, you, we all know this is a total crapshoot, right? It's like, I, I feel like, has your nephew won your pool like multiple times in a row? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, I'll have, we'll have like a seven-year-old win our family pool every year. Right. Exactly. Like, I just feel like uh, no matter how much thought and analysis we put into this, we are going to be wrong on co- probably colossally. So, yeah. uh, but okay, here's what I've got. Uh, looking at my bracket, uh, I've got Gonzaga coming out of the West. Then I've got Purdue coming out of the East, Tennessee coming out of the South, yeah. and Auburn coming out of the Midwest. Interesting. So, I may still change that. Like I'm not, I hate Auburn, um, but I, I just, I don't see Wisconsin getting there. I don't really, I mean, I think Kansas clearly could as a one seed, but um, I don't know what, I don't like Bruce Pearl, but I think he's a pretty good tournament coach. Um, I think this is a pretty weak region. So I, I like Auburn's chances and clearly with Jabari Smith, they got one of the best players in the country. So uh, yeah, I mean, I could see them losing to USC, but I could see them beating Kansas too. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, region by region with you. I've also got Gonzaga, although I feel like I have Gonzaga, Texas tech in the elite eight. And that, that makes me nervous for Gonzaga. I think that's a bad matchup for Gonzaga. Uh, but I've, I've got Gonzaga primarily out of obligation at this point. I just feel like I've got to keep taking him to the final four. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got UCLA because they returned all five starters from the final four team. And I wanted to see Gonzaga versus UCLA on the final four again. Totally. But UCLA honestly has not played. So UCLA last year went into the tournament as an 11 seed that barely made it. Right. Played like a final four team. And this year it seems like they're kind of hovering between those two extremes. Like they have not looked as inconsistent as they did last year, but they haven't necessarily looked as as good either. Killer as they did last year in the tournament. Yeah. They have not played. I don't think they've played a game this year where I thought they matched any of their play in the tournament last year. Maybe their, their season opener against Villanova. Yeah. That's probably the best performance. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they got destroyed by Gonzaga when they played them. Uh, they were clearly a step below Arizona in the Pac-12. So this is wishful thinking. I may talk myself out of it. I, I'm with you in that I kind of like Purdue, but I also am concerned about 
their defense is they're like a 100th in the nation in defensive efficiency. Like that's a red flag. Uh, I can't get behind Baylor or Kentucky. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do in that region. Right now I've got Gonzaga UCLA uh, meeting in the final four. On the other side, I've got Arizona. I was so impressed. Yeah. Arizona all season long. I thought they looked great in the second half of that game against UCLA. Okay. Can I ask you, I think I know your answer, but if somehow Gonzaga plays Arizona and Tommy Lloyd beats Mark few, would that not be utterly devastating? Well, we're, we're jumping ahead here, but that's what I've got. Oh, seriously. Oh, <laughs> and well, yeah, it would be, I, I would, that, that to me would almost, almost be as bad as butler making it back to the national title and losing to duke like that that would just rip i i mark few to have been to three national championships lost them all and to now lose it to your assistant who's at his first head coaching gig oh like just it so we're jumping in. I'm just going to say I've, I've got Kansas as my final team. I waffled between Kansas and Auburn. Didn't really like Wisconsin or Iowa. Yeah. I right. don't really know what to do with that region. Um, what if you did? I, right now we've got Kansas. What, so, would it shock you if USC or Miami came out of that? Region? No, I was, I was just looking at that and I was like, you know, you already talked yourself into LSU going to the Elite Eight. Like, yeah, USC could make a little run. Uh, I mean, it could get really weird. Uh, yeah. It could get really weird. Uh, watch it be Providence, the Providence team I dismissed. Um, right, yeah. So I think Kansas is just probably better than I'm willing to admit. Like, they just look like they've got their act together. And uh, so, I, yeah, I've got, I've got Arizona over Gonzaga, but I'm, I'm waffling. So here's, here's where I'm at. And maybe you can help me through this by telling me who you've got. I like Gonzaga probably as much as any team outside of Oregon. Can I? Just ask about Zona. Yeah. Does does Kerr Crease's injury concern you at all? So I just saw something about that um, that he might not play because of a bad ankle, and I need to research that more. Because that would yes, that would starting totally, that that was the biggest reason I didn't pick them because I think without him at full strength, I think they yeah, there's no way they they're going to make it out of that region. Oh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because. Uh, I had just learned about that before we came on here. And so um, I do need to do a little more research on that side. of it. I would love it if I talked you out of picking them and then they make it to the national title. Games. They make it to the title. Game. I, I guess what I'm asking more is kind of an identity crisis when it comes to the bracket where I, I'm at the point where it's like, I really want Gonzaga to win the title just because I think they deserve it. They've gotten close a number of times. Like they always have these really good teams um, they're now regularly a one seed. They're now regularly like on the short list of legit contenders. Yeah. Uh, I think they've won more tournament games in the last 10 years than any other school. So, but there's a thing, there's a sense in which I'm like, so do I just need to write Gonzaga in as my champion every year until it happens? Or do I need to refuse to write them in as my champion now? Like last year, it made sense. They were the undefeated team. It was the season of destiny. I don't necessarily feel like they're the best team this year. I feel like they're one of them, but I like, again, healthy on a neutral floor. I think I would say Arizona to me has looked a little more impressive than Gonzaga. So I, 
I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should be picking the team that I that I would just like to see them win, or if I just need to abandon that and be happy when they do win, even if it destroys my bracket. Yeah, yeah, that's good call. I mean, that's like when you're when your team right is playing in a big game and you pick against them because you're like, well, at least then if my team loses, I can go well, got to right in the pick them. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you that Gonzaga last year was clearly like, they, they seemed like a team of destiny and we just all wanted that undefeated season to happen. It would have been perfect. Um, and they're not that this year, right? They, they clearly look beatable. Um, but I mean, I, nothing would surprise like the only thing that would surprise me that would shock me is if they lost in the first round right like yeah they go down in the second round I, i'd be surprised i'd be heartbroken but it would not shock me it wouldn't shock me if they won at all so um i don't know i think you gotta go with what you think is most like what is your gut telling you now personally i don't think arizona is the right pick but if you don't think Gonzaga's got the chops, uh, I think you you, you got to pick the team that you think does. Well, it, again, at a first pass, I had Gonzaga, UCLA, and Arizona in the Final Four. And the odds of three West Coast teams all making right. the Final Four is just not going to happen. So I clearly, you know, was kind of doing what I would like to see happen. Don't you think, like, the, part, a second look. the reason UCLA scares me is because, because they played so above themselves in last year's tournament i feel like there's no way they can replicate that again like if like they can't possibly go on a run like that again so that's where i'm actually lower on ucla like i have them losing to baylor um and i mean okay let's say they beat akron which you never know uh they're probably playing saint mary's yeah tough out uh, then Baylor, like that, I don't think they make it through that uh, gauntlet there. With I, I think just because, like I said, they had a they played almost as well as a team could play last year in the tournament, and I just don't see that happening twice. Is there any part of you that buys into the idea that like um? They brought back five starters from a Final Four team. They knew they were good. They may not have taken the regular season as seriously, but they have a, a switch they could flip. You know, this we see this happen in the NBA all the time. The Milwaukee Bucks this year have been kind of on cruise control through the regular season. But I think the, the reasoning is, is like this team kind of knows that they've got to turn it up a level in April, like, and they're going to do that. Uh, it's a little harder with college teams, but I'm thinking of like that Florida team that repeated as champions, you know, that team brought back all five starters from a national championship team and they didn't, they didn't go like undefeated. They didn't look like, yeah, you know, they, they had a few duds in there. So is, is there any possibility that UCLA flips the switch and, and finds that gear again and that they've just been kind of waiting for the tournament to do it? Sure. There's, I think there's a possibility. I just, I don't, I don't know if you can, it seems difficult for me to see them do that two years in a row of just playing 
at that level. Um, yeah. So, so who do you have in your uh, who do you have in your title game? Who do you have winning it all as as you have it right now? Uh, okay. As of right now, subject to some change, I have Gonzaga beating Auburn. Gonzaga beating Auburn. So you've got the Zags. I do. 72 to 65. Um, I think one thing that I feel like hurts me and you two in the bracket mm-hmm. is I think we pick with our hearts too much. 100%. Right? Like, I think Baylor and Kentucky are really good teams. And I think the chances are that Baylor or Kentucky is going to come out of that, not UCLA or Purdue. Right. Right. And like, I desperately want Purdue. I'd even take UCLA and I love St. Mary's and I do not want Baylor and I do not want Kentucky, but shouldn't we agree? Like chances are, it's going to be one of those two teams. Like they are very good. So I, yeah, I, I'm sitting there going, I don't want Baylor. I don't want Kentucky, but I, at this point, I'm not sure why I would pick against Baylor that they've got a, they've got a great team. And I think it would be an awesome story if they play Gonzaga and Gonzaga has to go through them to get the national title. Yeah. I think my take with Baylor is like, this is just not the same team as they were last year. I mean, they lost their three best players from last year. Like they, they don't look to me as good or as dominant as last year's team. Right. If you give them all the credit in the world for getting a number one seed, winning the Big 12, you know, but then they lost to Oklahoma in the conference tournament, who was right. a bubble team. Like they, they, they just don't look like they've got that gear that, I mean, last year's Baylor team won almost every game by double digits. Like yeah. it just was clearly a notch ahead of everybody. And, I don't see quite that level, but I think you're right. Baylor and Kentucky. But I don't think, I don't think you can, you can say that about Baylor and then reverse that for UCLA, right? Like UCLA well, couldn't get, couldn't beat Arizona struggled against Oregon this year. Didn't win their conference tournament. Like I, I don't. UCLA has a starting five that we've at least seen do that. Whereas Baylor does. It's, it's that's not, true. That's true. Not like the five guys that are on Baylor are the same five guys that were no there. that's true that's yeah but i yeah i just think i i i would love to see ucla come out of that i mean if they play great like cool but i i think picking that is going to be i mean you actually i think ucla is not a terrible pick um but i i mean i'm looking at my purdue and i'm just like oh i i do not feel confident in that purdue like the thing is I don't want a team like Virginia or Gonzaga or Purdue teams that I have constantly pulled for and picked to go far in my bracket and who've disappointed me to then the year I'm like, you know what? Screw Purdue. That's the year they do it. And I'm like, dang it. Right. Like I want to, I want to dance with the one that I brought, you know, like there was nothing, nothing more satisfying in terms of, of, filling out a bracket than the year that I was the only one in our bracket pool who had Butler in the final four. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I felt like a King. I felt like, yeah, right. like you know, and, uh, and so you're right. You're right. These, some of these teams, you don't like if Murray state beats Kentucky and I didn't have the foresight to pick it, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm still going to enjoy the game, but it's going to be eating at me. Whereas if I'm, 
you know, the only one in our pool that has Murray State over Kentucky, it just fills you with that much more elation when it's happening that you're like, yeah. Even even if you've lost like two Final Four teams at that point, you're like, nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I knew it. So... Uh, well, we were both, I think, reserve the right. It is uh, Monday night as we're recording this. I think we both reserve the right to change and rechange and change again our final four picks before uh, official submission. But we will both know who the official picks are. And, and should we record another, another podcast? You who, know, who do you have coming out of the Midwest? Uh, I've got Kansas, but I'm, I'm waffling on it. Okay. So we'll we'll uh, hopefully have a chance to record a, a follow up episode, and we can kind of uh, see how we did with with uh, the picks that we all. I like that. Hey, uh, could you? I don't know if we answered this. Who do you think's the not necessarily double digit seed, but like outside of the maybe five or lower? Which seed that's a five, six, seven, or lower? Do you think has the best chance to make a Final Four run? Well, with the potential injury to Arizona's point guard, that does make me higher on Houston's chances to get back to the final four. But yeah, I, isn't I, that a, another classic example of like, like I am clearly picking, I, I picked UAB over Houston, right? Yeah. One, because it's a 5-12 and we know that chances are one of those is going to happen. And of course you want to pick the one that does. Yeah. Uh, second, because we hate Houston. Um, but does that blind us, right? Like, is right. Houston actually, I mean, they're 29 and five, right? They're a good team. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find another one for you though, because uh, there's got to be another one on the ballot here somewhere that, that could jump out. I mean, does, okay. I've got one in mind. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a bit of a long shot. Okay? I've got a couple in mind. One that I think is a little more realistic is USC. Yeah, I think you made the case. Auburn is not the most imposing two seed. They could catch them on the wrong night. Right. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is not a team that's going to run away from you. Maybe it's LSU. Like, I mean, it, that just seems like things could kind of fall apart there. And all of a sudden, USC is in the Elite Eight against, you know, uh, San Diego State or somebody. Right, like. right. Uh, the other one, this, we haven't talked about this team yet. And this is a little bit weird because I've been down on the Big Ten all night. <laughs> Rutgers. Oh no, I'm I'm totally out on Rutgers. Oh, you're out. See, I think I think Rutgers beats like to me, Rutgers kind of has the UCLA vibe of last year. Um, I think was UCLA an 11 seed play in last year? Yes. Yeah, right. So they got that 11 seed play in. They're playing Notre Dame, who I do not believe in. Uh Rutgers has some they got some bad losses. They also have some big wins. Um I don't think Alabama is a world beater. So Rutgers, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Bama. Then, I mean, again, Texas Tech, like I, I, I'm picking Texas Tech to go to the Elite Eight against Gonzaga, right? So I, I like them. I think they're very good. But similar to the Big Ten teams, I think they could beat anybody, and I think they could lose to just about anybody too. So – it wouldn't shock me. Like I could see Rutgers coming out of that. I don't know. Like that wouldn't, wouldn't blow my mind. Rutgers did make history uh, earlier this season. They became the first team ever to beat four ranked teams in a row in four consecutive games. They beat 
Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Illinois when all four teams were ranked in the top 16 of the yeah. eighth bowl, which is a great run. They followed that up by losing their next three in a row. Right. So it's a real, you know, um, you well, can interpret that however you want. They're eight. Well, I, heard a, I heard a guy, a commentator say, basically, he thinks that he judges teams more based on who they've beaten than who they've lost to. Because you, you look at who um, that they can play at that level. Teams lose games to teams they shouldn't all the time. You know, injury, funky travel, uh, bad matchup, whatever. But if a team like a team has the ability to beat four top 16 teams in a row, that shows you that they can do that. And so that just kind of gave me pause. And I was like, huh, Rutgers is a team that nobody's talking about that has the talent and could just kind of put it all together and have a historic run. If I'm, if I'm talking myself into Rutgers, I'm looking at the fact that their best player is the son of an NBA player, Ron Harper Jr. Right. Right. Like that. I, I would point to those four straight wins over top 16 teams. That's a good thing. And then here's, here's the other thing. And I made this case earlier with Colgate last year, Rutgers made it into the tournament as a 10 seed. They beat Clemson in the first round in a close game. They lost to Houston in a heartbreaker in the second round, lost by three uh, played Houston really tough in that game. So this is a seasoned bunch that has been in the tournament before you mentioned, you know, UCLA last year. Uh, we also saw VCU do this where teams will win the play in game and it just kind of gives them a little boost. Right. In the case of Rutgers who, you know, didn't end the season particularly well, maybe it kind of hits the reset button. They beat Notre Dame. They've got a little bit of energy going. So I, I can talk myself into it. I don't like their draw. I think that's a really, really tough region for them. I think I would like their draw better if they were down in the, in the Wyoming, Indiana play in game you know, where they're getting, uh, well, even there, you still have to go through UCLA and Baylor. So, um, yeah, but I know I'm with you. Like the idea of them, like beating Bama, Texas tech and Duke yeah. in their first three games. I'm not sure I could talk myself into that either. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I would not, I, I'm thinking seriously about, of course, watch them lose in the playing game tomorrow, and it's all a moot point. But um, I could totally see them beating Bama, upsetting Texas Tech, and then going down to Duke or Sparty. Um, but, you know, if, if Sparty knocks off Duke, don't you feel like Rutgers has a puncher's chance against Michigan State? <laughs> That's, that's that's so many dominoes have to happen for Rutgers to be playing Michigan State in this well, week. Well, not really. They, I mean, they have to beat Bama and Texas Tech, and then Michigan State has to knock off Duke. Like, I don't yeah. think that's beyond the realm, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, if uh, if 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 they've made it that far at that point, I guess I would uh, I would give them some confidence. Uh, I would have have some confidence in them to keep going. Um, Who's, who's your pick, though? Who would you take? Okay, so I've got to give one sleeper pick, and then and then we're wrapping it up. So uh, I think I think my sleeper pick is Loyola. Uh, Sister Jean is 101 years old, so <laughs> it's now or never. You mean the uh, team that, that is 
what made a final four and a sweet 16, like two out of the last four years, that's your sleeper pick. Oh, are you saying they're too good to be a sleeper? They're a tendency. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, they made a final four a couple of years ago and they beat a one seed last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, boy, this is a ceiling or floor team, but I, Virginia tech is on fire right now. There you go. Nice call. Okay. They played really, really well against Duke. Uh, they probably can't play that well in the tournament. I mean, I think they had one guy who hit. That the- team was not going to be in the tournament if they didn't win the ACC, right? And I like that about them. Is, is right. it, and they played, uh, I think, since like February 1st or something, they've been one of the best teams in the country. Like there, there's a clear, you know, over the last two months, month and a half of the season, they've, they've just turned it up a notch. They played really well in that conference tournament. Uh, but but this is where it comes back to the draw. I like their draw a lot. I think they could beat Texas in the first round. Yeah. Purdue is very Purdue. gettable in the yeah. second round. I don't think um, I think they lose to Kentucky if Kentucky's there. I but I I mean I think I, I think they could play with Kentucky. Like they just they just ran Duke off the court in the yeah. ACC championship game. Like Duke's yeah. comparable to Kentucky. So uh uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll say Virginia Tech as a as a potential sleeper. But well, Jake, there is a lot more that we could say. Uh, I'm sure we'll continue to have those discussions offline. But for our our faithful listeners, if they've made it with us this far, uh, we thank you. And uh, it's I'm sure they're it, feeling even more confused about what to do in their bracket now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tuning it's, in uh, for some some nuggets, and I think they might be leaving disappointed. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We're going to keep thinking things over. We're going to change our mind a hundred different times between now and Thursday. But once Thursday rolls around, four days of wall-to-wall games of the 68 teams, all but 16 will be eliminated by the end of the week. So it's going to be absolute madness, and I could not be looking more forward to it. Do you have a final thought? I, just, I, I think as a PSA, Mark, we need to – encourage anybody listening that you know those of you that are filling out you know you got a family pool you've got a friend's pool a pool at work all this stuff uh please do the decent thing and fill out one bracket with the same picks in all of them because (laughs) you can't you can't take murray state in your work bracket over kentucky and then take Kentucky and all your other brackets. And then yeah. like, I called Murray State in my work bracket. Yeah. Doesn't work that way, guys. I mean, please don't be one of those dudes who fills out three or four or five different brackets. And then you can pretty much cover your bases with anything that happens in the tournament. Fill out one bracket, stick with it, and ride or die with that bracket. 100%. Thank you for saying that. That needed to be said. So, all right. Well, thank you to our faithful listeners. It's been a lot of fun talking with you, Jake. Hopefully we get a chance to do this again. Uh, That'll do it for the Dog and Duck Show. If you like this episode, you can like, rate, subscribe, do all those things. But uh, for signing off, on behalf of my, uh, my Oregon fans, I say, go Ducks. Go Ducks. All right.